This is We Are Netflix, Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix. I'm Lyle Troxell, and in this episode of We Are Netflix, we're going to continue exploring Netflix's growth in EMEA. That's Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Our EMEA headquarters is in Amsterdam, and last May, I spent time there meeting and talking to some of the people who are leading our international efforts. In the previous two episodes of the podcast, we heard about some of the business development and marketing challenges involved in serving different nations and regions. In this, the third and final segment from Amsterdam, we're going to discuss the legal and regulatory challenges with our director of EU public policy, Majena Rambowski. Majena is based in our Brussels office. She and her team are helping Netflix navigate the complex regulatory and legislative landscape of the European Union. They work with governments and regulators in EU countries to make sure we understand and comply with the rules that apply to our service, but also to make sure that the lawmakers fully understand our business. It's a subject I knew nothing about when I sat down with Vigena, but I learned a lot, and I hope you will too. Vigena, I don't know anything about public policy. I'm like a software engineer. So what we're going to do right off the bat is you're going to describe what public policy actually is. If you actually do a definition of policy, you would say it's kind of an action by government or by a group of people or interests to address a specific problem. It can be um, economic, social, cultural. And then from that, you set policy. And the reason it's called public policy, it's obviously policy that affects the wider public. Um, so that would be kind of a very strict definition of it. Yeah. How does that reflect in terms of what we do here at Netflix? Um, is very much explaining our business to policymakers, regulators, governments across the world, in the region, in Europe. Um, so they really have an idea of what really matters for our business to be able to grow and to provide all the content that, that we do for subscribers around the world. Interesting. So your role is to translate our business model to some legislative body. Yes, in some way, it is a translative role because we have to kind of, it's such different languages that you use. So it's not just legal. The interest that legislators, policymakers have around making law um, has a much bigger impact than just Netflix. Right, right. So you have to always provide context, talk about a wider industry, talk about people generally. Does that mean you're making relationships with other companies that have similarity to us? Well, for example, we, we work a lot with um, speaking with our producers. We'll speak with people who make our shows. We speak with people who work behind the camera, in front of the camera. A lot of the laws that are being made... Um, really frame some of the relationships that we have in that way. It can go from health and safety, it can go from copyright, um, it can be about cultural exceptions around Europe, for example. So there's many ways. Um, and all the different groups around what we do are affected by the laws that okay. are being created. Now, it's not always just law too, right? It's also like um, I mean, organizations in different countries have certain ways of doing things and they've kind of codified their own... Not really a law, but a practice that we have yeah, to participate you, in. You see a lot of custom, mm -hmm. um, and it starts often as costumey habits, um, and that's why we talk about custom law. You also have different approaches of how you make law. Um, just in Europe, in the UK or continental Europe, you have a code or you have 
um, case law. So you have a different approach. Um, I think our role as policy as well is not just to react to the laws that are being created, but actually to be able to preempt um, the thinking around policymakers. So it's really this whole explanation, which is really critical to the core of the work that we do on a daily basis. Okay. So I'm, I'm imagining that some legislative body is going, you know, we need to do this new policy because we want to do an incentive on some sort, or we want to make sure this industry, nobody's being taken advantage of. There's, there's some public good that a legislator wants to do. And their initial thought on how to tackle that isn't informed by anybody necessarily. And so then they start doing an exploration a bit about how will this affect different companies? And that's when you step in to say, well, this is how we think it might affect us and so on. And so you're going to talk, sometimes you might be talking to someone who's managing shipping and sometimes you might be talking to um, streaming media uh, advisory board. Like it's all over the place, right? It's it's very diverse. A lot of people have perceptions about Netflix as a company. First, it can be because they're a subscriber. Uh, themselves so they can love what we provide in terms of the show and experience the the joys from our shows or if they're not a member they have preconceptions you're this american company coming out of california and you do some films and some series and you know my kids are, are watching you and i'm not sure i like the idea of it and are you regulated in some way and how does that work so we really do as you say come in and we first explain who we are and i think the values that we have as a business Business, in terms of our culture about being transparent, about being candid, about being honest and humble, really does come across as well in these discussions because it allows us to explain to them, this is who we are, ask us anything. Um, there's a lot of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, one fact that's quite interesting is um, lawmaking takes years. It's a very slow process because they need to make sure that obviously the impact it's going to have needs to be uh, balanced. The right impact, Exactly. It needs to be balanced. It needs to be proportionate. And it's important because it affects affects everyone in everyday life. So um, if I can give an example, there's there's a law that started in in Europe by the European Commission in Brussels um, that was put together in 2015. And they start with this kind of consultation. We want to review a law around audiovisual services in Europe, media services, and that affects investments that we do, content that we create. It talks about culture. And culture in Europe, it's it's huge. You know, it's it's really it's the DNA. Like a, it's sensitive. Uh, it's, you know, the French feel differently than the German on this. It's um it's who you are. Mm-hmm. And in that way, um that process took three years. And the law got revised and finalized end of last year. When when the European Commission started actually putting this process together and started drafting, researching, speaking to all different types of organizations, we as Netflix were present only in 12 countries in Europe when right. this started. And at that time, I think we had around um, 75 million subscribers. This is like the UK and Nordics and yeah, so France we were, exactly, and Germany, right? Like exactly. That, that early reach prior to really, us going global. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The first few waves that we had. Around that three-year process, if you look at end of last year when the law, we in all the 28 member states across Europe, 
our subscription base has gone to 139 million subscribers. And now, not only that, we've created a huge amount of shows which have been produced and created out of Europe. We're not just streaming delivery like we were before. We're doing industry in in the the countries, right? And the way we deliver, actually, that content has also been such a difference. How so? so? Because, you know, we speak to government policymakers, interest groups, and they will tell you, well, I only ever watch on TV because that's all I ever do. And you tell them, well, you can watch on an iPad, on a phone, you can stream, you can download on a plane. I mean, for some people, it's mind-blowing the advances and the speed at which it goes. So it takes them three years to make sure that they want to provide the right framework for a law. In that time, our company has advanced in a huge amount of way. So this two-speed uh, between lawmaking and between how businesses such as Netflix grow is something that's a real challenge because you have to say to policymakers, you have to legislate for the future. And then by the time they legislate, the futures happen. So yeah. we wanted to legislate for even further than that. Does, does this also mean that you have to look at what legislators are doing in the next three years and then try to help the company make sure we structure ourselves such a way that we match their expectations? Do we do that as well? Yeah, it works both ways. Um, I think there's a lot of preconceptions around what public policy, government relations team, um, often in countries it's called lobbyist work, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of misconception um, and bad stereotypes about it, to be very honest. And I think the best relationships are the one that works both ways, where there will be government saying, we feel there's a change, we need to address this, and it is going to impact you. And you can't just always reject any kind of regulatory work. And you have to say, okay, well, let's work together on this. And they will also come back and say, well, if you do this, it does affect some change. So in Europe, they feel very strongly about um, being able to preserve some of the languages that they have, for example. Mm -hmm. And they want to make sure that the more we are present in Europe, the more we make sure that we provide some shows in their languages. So that's just one of many examples, for example. And so when when they make a when legislation exists like that, we it potentially could cost us more. It could do things to the business that would be maybe undesirable. So you know, for example, if you they could make some blanket thing that says every show in the entire region has to be available in these thirteen languages, and that could be troublesome for us but not a blocker necessarily um not a blocker but it has quite a financial impact yeah, i mean yeah. any regulatory environment and any set of law has a cost for any business yeah so the thing that i'm i'm struggling here with I, I totally get that you know there's like this bad name for lobbyists but at the same time there are some things that a company can do because of its financial incentive that might not be good for the population. And therefore, if they push the muscle of their – I'm thinking from an American, by the way, where companies are very successful at um, this kind of work, that it just makes me sensitive. Like there's a goal there that the people want theoretically, right? The legislation is, is uh, you know abiding some representation of the people. So where do we know we're doing the right thing? Where do we know we're – is it about our transparency, that we're transparent the entire time? How do you know that you're doing the right thing? I think one way is also the people who do the work. In our team, um, you know, at the moment we have around 30 or so people in our policy global policy team currently. And we're growing very much. The people that we have in our team are very local. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so they understand the culture, they understand the customs that we were talking about. Um, they've grown in these environments. They have worked sometime at governments or they've worked with interest groups or policymakers over years. So we understand how sometimes how they speak and we understand their nervousness. So having that knowledge of the ground is critical. Mm-hmm. And in that way, yes, it's about being transparent and being honest in the work that we do and the exchanges, but it's about being curious as well. And we say to a policymaker, um, why do you want to do this? What do you want to achieve in that way? And then we're trying to be thoughtful about their interest and balancing this with the interest of Netflix. Yeah, yeah, interesting. seems like a very challenging thing to do, especially when you're talking with people that are seeing, that are in a situation of power and are seeing the world change under them. It seems like that it's very common for someone who's been into politics maybe for 20 years or something like that to have this feeling of stability, but with technology changing the way it is, it, there seems to be a dichotomy there that's really challenging. It is. It's very challenging. That's what I was talking about, this kind of dual speed. Yeah. Um, it's a real challenge for any legislator around the world. And um, I've been working a lot with people in Brussels where you have a lot of the European institution. And, you know, they work in such of these big organizations themselves and they might have been working for 20, 30, 40 years in this yeah. and lose touch on how business growth happens so it's a kind of constant reminder in our job and saying you know things evolve innovation technology things are going faster things are moving quicker Um, and i think when you combine the part of our business that has that technological innovative component with the shows and the content that we provide and the um, you know the kind of stories that we tell i think the combination of both can be quite you know, daunting for some legislators because they love it, but they worried and how do they balance it and how do they, they see our growth, which is spectacular. Yeah. And they want to say, well, I want that for people in my country. How do I make it happen? And how do I work with them? Yeah, so I'm assuming that as we're producing original content in different countries, that conversation changes quite a bit, right? The, you, you mean, are we doing situations where there's sensitive legislation possible and we say, oh, you know what? We'll do a production company there. Do we do that kind of thing? No, we don't do these kind of things. It <laughs> doesn't not? work. It Why doesn't not? work that way. Um, the decisions that we do as a business are around what's best for the business, what's best for our subscribers. At the end of the day, the subscribers are the ones who provide us the financial means to create this content. So ultimately, the decisions are always going to be in the best interest of the subscriber. And in that way, the growth we've had in Europe with the, the membership growing so much, we want to be able to give back to the subscribers and that's why we invest in a lot of local content because they want to also watch those shows Um, and I think it's more than our job in the policy team to say this is where our business is going this is the vision of the business Um, and it's to reassure because you know we've arrived as I said you know the three year in the past three years what's happened for, for, for policymakers, this is a real challenge. And they say, well, who's next? What's going to happen in three years? I'm trying to write a text that should set the law for the next 10 years. And, and actually, that might not exist in three years' time. Um, they need to feel trust as well. And it works by saying, you know, this is who we are. This is where we're going. And if you explain to them, this is where we're going in your country, in your region, with the industry, and how it benefits the different parts in our growth, that's also something that's very helpful. 
How do we do public policy different at Netflix versus other companies? First, I think we're quite a lean team currently. We're growing a lot. How many people are in the EU in your in your space? So just in our team, I think we're about 10, 11. We, we're growing. I mean, two years ago, there was three people. And that's so for like 130 countries. Over there. Yeah, so it's yeah. a very Netflix way yeah. of, of, of growth. I think uh, when I joined, there was 10 people globally. And now we're 30 in and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be closer to 50. Okay. Um, so how do we do it differently? We quite lean. I think, as I said, our culture makes that how we do our work is very different. Our culture is that we can be so candid and and very transparent. So it's very difficult for some companies to be able to feel that they can always be honest with policymakers because you that trust is something that's very difficult to acquire. And I think what we do in our team is we're actually able to provide them with some understanding of the sector and by by sharing some of the the data on our growth and how that worked and what's successful and what's not. Um, what's also really different is we're pretty fast and we can be very much there. So policymakers will say, well, I need to understand this. And suddenly we'll use all the different means that we have available within Netflix. We'll speak to engineers, we'll speak to some of the content team, we'll speak to marketing and publicity to be able to have that understanding. Our role in policy is also to understand our business to yeah. explain it better. So you're saying that the policymaker is going to ask you something and you're able to quickly turn around and like a week later give them everything they need to answer yeah, that question. I don't know about everything, but as much <laughs> as, as much possible, as much, so, as, as much as we can, as, as much sometime... We need to, you know, they will say, I need these things. Sometimes they don't know what, what they don't know. Right, yeah. And it's the same for everyone. So I think it's it's our job to be able to say, you might be interested in knowing this. You might be interested that if you were to do this, the practical implication of this law is going to be that. And Can you give an example of one of these? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a legislation, the one that I mentioned, actually, um, which the, the European Union has actually just passed, which was finalized last year, this audiovisual media services law. This went through and the, the, now all the countries across Europe have two years to implement this law. That's a, it's called, We call it a transposition period. And they have the possibility to decide that they want to um, apply some investment obligations on Netflix. And they will say, you need to invest some percent of your revenue to make sure that um, you do content in our country. It's what you're saying. It has implication for business. Um, I mean, we want to ultimately decide what we create, how we create it, how often we do it. Um, so... For us, we now need to engage across Europe and say, how are you thinking about it? How are you going to apply it? Um, how do we do it to the best interest of the communities in your country? And we're having these discussions in France. We're having them in Italy, in Germany, in Spain, in Poland, etc. Does this law specifically state that every country in the EU that you're that we're involved in has to have a certain percentage? Is that the idea of it? No, it, it's much broader than that because it's a, it's called what a, a directive. So the member states actually can, can then legislate, legislate in their way. But it says that countries may, if they want to, apply some of these rules. Oh, I see. So the problem that we're having is now we ended up in a situation where we have potentially a multiple of different laws across across. So as a 
regional global business, how does Netflix manage all these diversity in the different frameworks? And yeah. I think that's a real challenge that we're trying to work with and trying to balance that member states don't decide to go so disproportionate to what they can do, um, but it works for them and it also works for businesses such as ours and others within that industry. Yeah. So you must understand that how that would get implemented pretty well. You have to, you have to really understand what it might look like in every single region. Yes. Wow. That seems pretty – Hopefully kind of that's the grace. <laughs> when you say that our transparency in the way we operate allows us to be lean but also allows us to be fast, how? How can you do all those things with less people? In Netflix, we are um, very much a company that doesn't do process um, so much. And where you can really connect with other teams in the most efficient way. So I'll give you maybe an example. Say we want to engage on a specific topic in France. It can be about um, ratings of our shows, for example, and a policymaker says to you, I want you to understand how it works. We can very quickly engage with our teams in Los Gatos who really are specializing on this. Um, and we can very connect with some of our legal teams or some of our um, teams specifically who know the market very well and say, okay, his information, is that valuable to them? Is there anything else that we want to explain? And suddenly we have all that expertise at the tip of our hand and we can bring that to legislators. I see. So because of our ability to communicate flatly across the company and be as transparent as possible, you can do a quick search on some files to find out about localization or different language, whatever, and then find, oh, this is the manager that runs the team that does that piece and you can give that person a call given the time zone issue. Exactly. Uh, give them a That's call a good one. or call and say, hey, I've got this question from this EU member state. What do you think? And they'll be able to give expert expertise. And you didn't go through a big chain of command or anything. Yeah. Okay. It's chain of command. And it's also what is, you were asking earlier, what is it that we do differently? What I have found at Netflix, which is incredible and why, you know, we we love the work we do is everyone is super keen to help. Everyone understand that there's, you know, there's a goal in making this better. And they will say, oh, let me help you. Like, how, what can I give you to help? And it sounds so natural to us, but you don't have that everywhere, let's That's be true. honest. And I think it makes our job so much easier as yeah. well in that way. I remember uh, when I was doing the interviewing process years ago, my manager was describing like the type of person that works. And it's one of those people that always does a little bit more at some level. And I think the example they gave was, you know, you see a piece of paper on the ground in the hallway, right? Do you pick it up? Well, sure. You just pick it up and throw it away, right? Because yeah, you could just leave it there, but if everyone leaves it there, it's not how we do it. And it sure feels that way. You know, in yeah. everything we do, it feels kind of like, I'll pick up that piece too. Yeah. And so when someone says, I'm having some trouble with this, like, well, what can I do to help? It's just, it's this kind of embedded thing. It's hard to explain. I think, when, I think you know, we all um, it's very much, again, in the values. we In our policy team, it comes up a, a, a lot. It's about being highly aligned and loosely coupled. So we very align about where we want to go, where we, what we want to achieve. And then it's being able to have the best people on our team who are independent, um, expert in what they do, the best in their profession, to be able to say, okay, well, let's make it happen. And yeah, sure, that kind of loosely coupled works, but everyone trusts each other to do the best availability to achieve that goal. And I think in that way, that is something that truly happens at Netflix. Yeah. 
when your group decides on something that Netflix will do, you know, like, okay, we've got to, we've got to change some things, um, whether reacting to legislation or in some way, um, engage with the public in some way, how do you communicate that with the rest of the company, you know, with content, with marketing, with legal and so on? How do you, how do you do that? How do you go about doing that? So this is something we've been working a lot on and we continue to work. I think in the past, we would tend to kind of frantically contact someone who we thought, surely that person can help me because as we said, no one says no, they'll try and find a way to help you. And it works. It's the one problem with the openness, right? It's like, what do you do when you have a mass communication to do? Yeah, Exactly. So they'll help you and it works. As our team has been growing, it's about how do we actually make that work as kind of slightly higher scale. Um, And I think that's a challenge we all have at Netflix every day. Um, I think ultimately the policy team cannot do their job well if they don't understand what the rest of the business do. And I think the only way to do this is, you know, on a daily basis, I will try and connect with some of our content team here over different countries. I can speak to Brian on what he's doing with his team in Italy. I'll be able to speak to Maria and see how the partnerships that she's doing in different countries is affecting the business. And then I'll speak to some teams in Los Gatos on how we're doing when it comes to the product and the interface. We need to have that knowledge. So we do establish that quite a lot. Um, you'll find that, as with many people at Netflix, our policy tends to be very curious. We mm. question everything. Mm. We can drive some people mad. But um, we're a very curious bunch. And um, we're trying to always work with cross-functionally. So we really aim to be part of um, teams, whether it's on a geographical nature. So it could be a Germany team or Italy team. And we update each other all the time. We wouldn't be able to do our work without having them on board. It's about context. How do you make sure that you have that, that your team has an understanding of what it feels like in Brussels or you know a cultural fit in 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 France or something? How do you, how do you make sure that you have a pulse on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that's critical. Actually, it's and it's a good word that you've used pulse um, as. Part of the policy work, we always need to be a little bit of a step ahead about what we think is going to happen, whether it's elections, political landscape, differences of interest across the industry. So we have the people on the ground who know they have networks, they speak to people a lot externally. I would say we aim that 60% of our time is spent outside the office. Mm -hmm. We need to engage constantly with people. So do you have someone that's like dedicated to understanding Germany or or is it more so a problem we, 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 we're starting to have that a lot more in our team so for example in Brussels there's three there's going to be four of us by the end of May we now have someone who's dedicated to France based in Paris mm. we have someone in the UK and we'll soon hopefully have someone in Italy and Germany in the next three four months we have someone that's starting for us that will be based in Spain and these people are very much experts in how the pulse as you say takes place and the culture, whether it's political, yeah. economical, cultural. I'm assuming that at some level, we kind of want to be globally consistent, meaning we have an, an idea of what we want to present and how we want to present it. And we definitely have to make sure we align enough in the regions we're in to fit what they need, right? Their legislation, their, their policy ideas. But at the same time, we also have an idea of what a good product generally is for the globe 
are those in conflict ever? Do we ever have to go, we really have to change something for this one country or while we're doing it wrong everywhere? I mean, is there a balance happening? There's definitely a balance. uh, And I think it's an everyday exercise by many different parts of our business. Um, You know, we, we have a goal, which is to bring joy to our members across the world. Um, how we do it is by providing the best content. And I think the sensitivities and cultures that you have across the world will make that that content is received in different ways. So someone might love dark in Mexico, but they're a bit less excited about in Singapore, for example. So it's, it's a it's a bias. It's a personal taste because you come from a different environment. You, you Your taste is very different. How do we align that with policymaking? I think is, again, is the way we say around the lawmaking is everyone has their own twist on some things. And how do we achieve the balance of understanding and accepting some of these local national um, requirements? Um, and how do we also say, well, actually, that doesn't really work for us to be able to continue doing a business on a more global stage? Um, as our business is growing as well, we're seeing it in Europe. We're now having an office in Paris and one in Madrid. We are also becoming so local and so integrated in these kind of national um, ecosystem that also we are embedding ourselves in that culture. And I think that's making it easier every day. We don't look like a, an, a foreign company from California. We look like people that work in Paris or in Madrid. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah. And you will always have the stereotype sure. of a politician who says, you, you're an American company coming onto my country and touching on culture, which, as I say, is so sensitive in some parts of Europe, yeah. most part of Europe. And and then they realize, oh, wait, the, the whole team is actually French and, and they've worked in our country for so long and they understand, they think like I think. And suddenly you have to dispel a little bit of these stereotypes. But to do that, you have to engage with them, build a trust relationship. You have to be very humble about who we are. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that exchange and that transparency that starts to change these kind of stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. You sound you sound wonderful in what you're doing, like totally exciting. I want to do that work. That sounds great. But at some level, you know, I do an engineering thing, right? So somebody says, I want to try making this thing. I go, okay, let's make this thing together. And we, we work on something and then we produce this thing. What it sounds like your role is, is to make sure bad things don't happen. In the sense that it feels very defensive in some way. It's it's informative to make sure bad things don't happen. It's it's you know sharing as much context. It's making sure that the people in power and legislation understand as much about us as possible, so that bad decisions don't be made. But it still sounds like a defensive position and posture. I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it defensive um, because I, I don't think it's so much about defensive. Because I think a lot of the time, defensive implies that you don't agree. I think. In my view, defensive yeah. implies that you and I don't agree and I'm defensive about my right. position. like shutting down communications yeah. or something. Yeah, Whereas I think we would see it as you have a view and preconceptions about maybe the audiovisual industry in Europe. And you're a politician from, say, Germany, who've lived in Germany all your life because you've been able to uh, bring some good to people who live, work, 
and travel in in your area. So you have your own biases and preconception. So you're not coming in and I don't challenge those and you don't challenge and disagree. It's about saying, wait, this is something different. This is something new. So I wouldn't necessarily say that our work, it's about challenging constantly policymakers, but it's about maybe providing a different impact, a different input. A lot of the work we do requires two things. It requires us and our team to be very flexible. So, you know, I have some people in my team, they've come in, they've worked in Brussels, they have an amazing set of skills. And suddenly I'm like, wow, wait, you speak Italian, we need to do this in Italy. Can you come over and help out? And they'll come and then they're going to come in and you know, you have to be positive if you work in policymaking. Otherwise, you become cynical very quickly. <laughs> and you have to be able to say, okay, well, let's make this work. Because ultimately, the goal is for us to grow our business and for more people to watch our shows and for us to create more shows, which benefit subscribers, because it's to spread joy. And then you say to policymakers, why is it that you might not want this? And then how? And ultimately, it's very rare that you'll have a policymaker say, say, I am intent on destroying you. It's not that. Right. The basis of their work as well, which is often misunderstood at what is a politician, is also being able to have a society that works together in the diverse way that it is. And I think we are one small element of that. Yeah. And it's engaging with them. So, Personally, obviously, I wouldn't say that our work is defensive. Sometimes we do, and sometimes we have to be very firm by explaining, if you do this, not only it's costing us a huge amount of money, but it's been counterproductive to the goal that you want to provide more work for your local producers. Yeah. And then it's about explaining this. So we, we have to listen a huge amount to understand where people come from, what they really want, and then we engage with them. I like that you said that you've got to have some optimism and you could get cynical. Totally get that. Do you do you have a lot of optimism for government right now? It's the optimism's been quite challenged in Europe. Why? Because we're seeing a lot of changes. We're seeing a lot of fear in Europe. We're seeing governments who change drastically. Um we see that maybe lessons from the past sometimes can be forgotten or um, change. And I think it's very challenging um, in having such a diversity of views and representations. And everyone wants to make sure that um, democracy is there, but everyone has a different view of what that means. It's challenging everywhere in the world, but I think um, it's about being able to adapt and engage. I think engagement is always the number one rule. Yeah, it sounds like communicating, engaging it is it's, the it's thing crucial. you try to do. Yeah. And, and we work actually in Netflix, we work very much with um, our communication team, actually. We very, you know, I was talking to one of our colleagues who joined a, a few months ago, and I said to him, if you come to Brussels, you can't just come, be here for a day and take a train back. You have to come, you have to be in these institutions, you have to see how people live and breathe this because we have stereotypes as much as they have stereotypes. And once you put these barriers down about and you arrive with a clean slate, then you can start a conversation. And then someone that you think is very biased in a way that you say they are the extreme view of this, you try and understand. Um, let's see what happens. I think Europe is going through 
a huge amount of transformation when it comes to governments at national level. Let's see how that works out. At the end of the day, people go and vote and we'll see how that works out. Well, thank you. Was there anything else you I think it's super exciting that policy got to uh, also explain what they do, especially in terms of uh, our team in Europe. Um, I think it's super important sometimes to explain this because when you might see, you know, job application, it's not very clear. What is this policy role? Yeah. Um, so well, wh where did you come from prior to doing this? Work? So, um, so my background, I trained in law. So I have actually a legal background, but I've also worked at the European Parliament in Brussels, so in politics, and I've also worked in what we call agencies to support strategic, um, let's say, engagement for companies. Okay. So you've done this kind of work for a while. Yes. Started with law school. Yeah. Um, and how do you step into that rather than uh, wow. politics directly? I mean, why didn't you go into politics? You seem optimistic and keen <laughs> to help. You have to keep that optimism. Um, I, interesting question. I think I was always interested in the diversity of history and action in Europe. I think my background, naturally, and education, um, being bilingual, etc., has brought me in this. Um, and I was always attracted by the law, but never so much necessarily corporate law. And I wanted to be able to engage. And I had the opportunity a number of years ago to work for a member of the European Parliament, a British member at the time. And I thought it would be a great experience. And that's how I really fell into it. And on the back of that, realized how much there's a gap between what people think about it. And I thought I would want to engage in a type of work where we would really bridge that gap between policymakers, between businesses, and between society generally. Yeah, and so you fell into this doing that. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of perfect. Oh, you know, one thing. What are you watching right now? What am I watching right now? Okay, I just finished Pine Gap, the Australian-American show. But um, Did you binge it? Yes, I actually did that yeah, one. Yeah. I did it over four days while I was in the US, um, which I loved. And actually, I'm looking forward to season th uh, two of The Rain, which oh, is a yeah. Danish show. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, today. Thanks, Lyle. That's great. Appreciate it. We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxel. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com. <laughs>